Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Bears Talk Podcast. I am your host, Brian Perez, and this is not the Victory Monday episode that I was hoping to record that I'm sure you Bears fans out there were hoping you'd be listening to on your drive to work, at the gym, wherever you tune in to Bears Talk. This is one of the toughest Monday shows that I've had to do in a long time and that you've probably had to listen to in a long time. The Chicago Bears lost to the Green Bay Packers 38-20 to at Soldier Field in what was supposed to be the dawn of a new era in the NFC North Arms race where Justin Fields was supposed to put his foot on the throat of the Packers and prove that the Bears are the team who have the best young quarterback in the division, and it's not Jordan Love and the Packers. And unfortunately, on Sunday, we did not see that. Let's try to get through this together, Bears fans. Come on back. Let's talk about it on Bears Talk. We're going to be an effort-based team. I love playing football. Ready to open this thing up. Let them know that we're coming. Unfortunately, the Chicago Bears did not let anyone in the NFL know they were coming. They did not let anyone in the NFC North know that they were coming in 2023, and they certainly did not let the Green Bay Packers know that they were coming for the division, for an NFC North crown, or to overtake the green and gold in the longest and oldest rivalry in the NFL. In fact, the Chicago Bears may have put the NFL on notice that they are not much better than the 2022 version of the team that went 3-14 and and secured the number one overall pick. I I don't want to overreact. I don't want to say that the wheels are falling off or that the Chicago Bears are in the tailspin that I said they could put the Packers in with an impressive if they had an impressive victory on Sunday. I don't want to overreact, Bears fans. I don't want to. But I know you don't want to either. So today what we're going to try to do is explain what went wrong on Sunday at Soldier Field. How did this happen? How did Jordan Love throw for 245 yards and three touchdowns? against the Chicago Bears defense with six new starters. A pass rush that was supposed to be better than what we saw in 2022 when this team finished with the lowest, fewest amount of sacks in the league. How did this happen? With guys like Yannick Ngakwe rushing from the edge, with guys like Tremaine Edmonds supposedly able to shut down 
receiving running backs and tight ends, and he was supposed to be the answer for those woes. And where were the plays from the secondary? Guys like Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon, who got banged up. Jalen Johnson, a non-factor again, not making any plays on the ball, not intercepting any passes. What happened? How did this happen? Let's explain it here, shall we? Let's try to explain it here, shall we? Before we do, though, make sure you go to X and follow me on Twitter at Brian Perez NFL. Follow Bears Talk at the Bears Talk. Make sure you are hitting that subscribe button on any of your favorite podcast providers. However you're listening to this show, make sure you're subscribed. We also would really appreciate a five-star or four-star, whatever the highest rating is, and a pleasant review. And share it with your fellow Bears fan, friends, family members. Let's grow this show organically because we're going to need to have some vent sessions like this, I think. This year, if what the Chicago Bears put on the field on Sunday is any indication of what's coming down the pipeline this year. I'd like to think it's not. I think Ryan Poles did enough this offseason to give us hope still, even after week one's shellacking. I think there is still hope that this team will turn it around and eventually, eventually give Bears fans the kind of results that they've been waiting for for what feels like forever now. The Mitch Trubisky year, I think it was 2018, that was a fun ride, but that felt kind of like, you know, a cubic zirconium. Didn't really feel like the real deal. And the Bears haven't given us, the fans, the content creators, the Bears beat writers, a reason to be excited. This offseason, it felt like that excitement was real. And I still think it is. I still believe in Justin Fields. It's only one game. You're going to hear a lot of hot takes. You're going to hear the Mike Tannenbaums of the world. You're going to hear the Colin Cowards of the world banging their drums, suggesting that all the points, all the anti-fields points that they made for the last several months are in fact correct because of what happened against the Packers. But I would argue that that's still a misguided assessment by those guys. Was Justin Fields good? No, he wasn't. And I don't mean like, he wasn't good after a deep dive on the film. We have to do that. We have to wait till the All-22 comes out. We'll check out how Pro Football Focus graded out the Bears. Do a deeper dive. We'll have more analytics and data to see exactly what went wrong on Sunday. But what I can tell you is Justin Fields threw for 216 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Another ho-hum performance in the passing game. Another year where... Maybe a Bears quarterback throws for 34 or 3,500 yards. It felt like that same kind of passing offense. Frustrating. Inconsistent. Was not exciting. When Justin Fields dropped back to pass on Sunday, I didn't think a big play was coming, and that's even with DJ Moore lined up on the outside. DJ Moore in the first half looked like he was starting to get his juices flowing. Two catches, 25 yards. That's the debut for DJ Moore. That's his first performance against the Green Bay Packers. That was inexcusably bad. It's not DJ Moore's fault. We know DJ Moore's a good player. DJ Moore wasn't used the right way. Luke Getze deserves a lot of the blame for this loss, Bears fans. Luke Getze deserves a lot of the blame for how horrible the offense looked. Some of the play calling was just mind-boggling to me. We'll get into that in a minute. But is it fair to really criticize Justin Fields after this performance? I, I think Bears fans have a right to be annoyed and frustrated and maybe a little anxious at this point. Maybe some anxiety is setting in because this is year three. This is year two in the same system. We do believe that the Bears have better talent around Justin Fields. The offensive line should be better on paper. The receivers should 
be better on paper. So the results should be better. They just weren't on Sunday. And I think the old adage that football starts up front is a big reason why. The Bears offensive line was terrible. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. They were terrible. Darnell Wright was not good. He was exposed by Rashawn Gary. He was not good in pass protection. Braxton Jones was, I don't know what got into him, but he was a magnet for, for yellow flags all day. False starts, holdings. He was one of the main reasons why Roche, he was the guy who, who held on Roshan Johnson's impressive truck run. Roshan Johnson, by the way, a guy who needs to be starting in this, on this offense clearly brought some juice and energy to a team that needed it more at that point in the game that, than, than any other point. And Roshan Johnson comes in and he lights a spark. I don't know what the Bears coaches are thinking at this point with Deonta Foreman, who's an okay player. He shouldn't see the field over Roshan Johnson anymore. Khalil Herbert's fine, but maybe put Khalil Herbert back to that every third series guy. Roshan Johnson, the poor guy got victimized by Braxton Jones. Braxton Jones holding false starts and getting beat in pass protection too. So Justin Fields, you know, you can't blame the guy. I, I feel like, sure, if you're a Packers fan listening to this, which I hope you're not, or just, you know, maybe the, I don't know, maybe you're a Bears fan who's a little guarded. This team has let you down in the past. The quarterbacks have let you down in the past. And you don't want to get hurt again by Justin Fields. I get it. I'm, I don't want to say I've been there, but I understand. You know, I always, optimism always reigns supreme with me whenever the Bears make an early round investment in a quarterback or make a trade for like when they do with Jay Cutler. You want to believe that that quarterback is going to be the guy that solves the franchise long, the history, in the history of this franchise. There's never been that guy, a quarterback. And we all want it to be Justin Fields. And when, when he, he didn't look like that guy. On Sunday, but again, I'm here to tell you, Bears fans, don't panic. Don't panic yet. This is not a a a final assessment of Justin Fields. The book on Justin Fields is not is not complete yet, and we cannot use what happened in Week One as a defining moment for him in the negative because I don't think there are many quarterbacks who could have done anything with the pass protection that Justin Fields had. On Sunday, it seemed like every time he dropped back to throw, the pocket was collapsing around him. And I think the problem was compounded by Justin Fields feeling this pressure to stay in the pocket, go through his progressions, prove to the world that he's not just a running quarterback, that he can make plays with his arm. I think that really hurt him, his game, the offense, the ability to make chunk plays, to move the chains, to get into scoring position. The Bears need Justin Fields to run. I mean, they just do. It's a nuclear asset that the Bears have in their arsenal, and they did not allow it to be unleashed. And I think part of it is more psychological than design. I don't think the Bears are drawing plays that prohibit Justin Fields from running, but I think this whole offseason narrative about Justin Fields having to improve as a passer is causing him or forcing him to maybe play against his instincts. And when you have that, when you have a player who's not playing to their strengths, it's a player who can start looking a little unsteady, uneasy. I feel like Justin Fields didn't seem comfortable at times in the pocket because he was trying to stay that extra beat or two, and the pass protection just was not there to allow him to do that. So the passes look ugly at times. 
He didn't have the extra step escaping from the pocket because he waited the extra beat or two too long. He allowed the defenders to close in on him faster than maybe he would have last year when he would nearly set the record for rushing yards by a quarterback. So Justin Fields was not great. He wasn't. He was not able to overcome what happened on Sunday, what was happening around him. He was not able to rise above it as a passer. Is that a problem? Is that a reason to be concerned? Of course. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. Am I, am I you know, starting this week two of the 2023 NFL season with as much confidence in Justin Fields as I had on Sunday morning? I'm not going to lie to you guys. I, I don't. It's not that I'm not confident in him, but I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned that we saw a quarterback on Sunday who was not able to rise above the chaos. Perhaps part of it is because his supporting cast maybe just isn't as good as we thought. You know, we're all wearing the Bears-colored glasses all offseason. We all want to think that DJ Moore is the difference between taking a wide receiving core that was average, below average to average, to now above average or even good. But maybe all DJ Moore is doing is taking a wide receiving core that is way below average and pushing it up to maybe average. Chase Claypool was horrendous on Sunday. Chase Claypool looked like a guy who shouldn't even be on the active roster. Justin Fields said after the game that some of those perimeter throws, those tunnel screens, the wide receiver screens, trying to get the ball in the receiver's hands quickly so they can make plays after the catch, some of them didn't work because there just wasn't good blocking on the perimeter. And guess what? Chase Claypool, he's talking to you. Chase Claypool single-handedly almost got his teammates killed by his lack of effort in the blocking game. A lot of people want to say, oh, pass blocking, you know, or run blocking. That's not a, a trait that scouts should care about when it comes to grading wide receivers. And of course, the wide receiver's first and most important job responsibility is making plays as a receiver, running good routes, catching passes, scoring touchdowns. But what you do in the, in the run game, which honestly, on those wide receiver screens, tunnel screens, etc., those big-bodied receivers like Chase Claypool, you're turning into a lead blocker on those plays. If you don't have the traits or the mindset or the toughness to do that, you are now a liability on the field. And Chase Claypool looked like a liability. His hands look unreliable. He doesn't look like he's a playmaker. That's a problem. That's a big problem for this offense because Chase Claypool is a guy who, at least we were led to believe, with a full offseason in the system, assimilating to the offense, he can be unlocked, especially with DJ Moore taking the primary cornerback away from Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool should be able to make plays downfield and dominate. And perhaps we didn't get a chance to see that on Sunday because Justin Fields did not have the time to throw the ball. So there is a trickle-down effect when the offensive line fails. The quarterback is the one who will get the most attention. The quarterback is the one who will have all the hot takes directed at him because the production just isn't there. 216 yards, a touchdown, and a pick, that's like 1992 football stats. That's not 2023. So Justin Fields is going to get the blame, but it really starts at the offensive line, and then it spreads from there. The running backs, I mean, what kind of running game was that today? On Sunday, I'm sorry. Clear Herbert, nine carries, 27 yards. Deonta Foreman, five carries, 16 yards. Roshan, five carries, 20 yards. That's like a preseason box score. That was a full four-quarter NFL week one game against the Green Bay Packers. Your top rusher is 27 yards. 
Khalil Herbert on nine carries, only three yards a carry. Justin Fields put in 59 yards as a runner. I mean, that's the quietest 60-yard rushing game from a quarterback you'll probably ever see. That puts him on pace for 1,000 yards rushing this season. So he did do what he whatever he could as a runner for 59 yards, but he probably could add 125 if he took off and run with a little bit more intensity, a little more certainty. If he was more decisive as a runner, he could have put up much, much bigger numbers than that. But 27 yards from Khalil Herbert, 20 from Roshan Johnson, 16 from Deonta Foreman. I mean, what are we doing here? You're not going to win football games without establishing at least some kind of rushing attack that could take the pressure off of Justin Fields, that can make a play-action game actually work, that can give, make defenders think for the extra half-second that it might require for Justin Fields to step into a throw and connect with a guy like DJ Moore downfield. I mean, DJ Moore was a non-factor. When the offensive line is as bad as it was today, you don't have a chance to let Justin Fields hit guys like Moore or Claypool down the field. Darnell Mooney had four catches for 53 yards and a touchdown. He actually was one of the lone bright spots, in my opinion, in this game. And the Bears almost got him killed at the end of the game on meaningless, on a meaningless wide receiver screen where he looked like he got knocked out. I mean, to put your most productive skill player in that position down three scores at the end of the game is it's kind of like negligent on the part of Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze. I mean, that was just, that was embarrassing to me. Take a knee and get out. You're not surrendering. You're just being smart and protecting your skill players. The, the Packers were, were hunting for blood at that point. And Darnell Mooney almost suffered a serious ramification of bad coaching decision by, by Matt Eberflus. Now, the biggest problem that I have with this game, the biggest... I don't know, what's what's giving me chest pains? I mean, I don't know about you guys out there, but watching the Packers, now nine straight wins against the Bears, watching the Packers go up and down, the, watching Aaron Jones, you knew third and six, Aaron Jones is going to get a first down. You knew third and five, Aaron Jones is going to get the first down. You knew it was just a matter of time before, before Aaron Jones broke off one of those quick slants Catch and run, 50-yard touchdown, whatever it ends up being. You just knew that was happening. And, and, you know, I hate the fact that Bears fans know that's coming, that they, they know the inevitable bad play, bad result, back-breaking play, third-down conversion. When's it going to happen? Because it's coming. And you know what? It was over and over and over again on Sunday. I mean, Aaron Jones was... Somewhat effective as a runner. Nine carries, 41 yards, and a touchdown. 4.6 yards a carry. The Bears did a good job on A.J. Dillon. 13 carries for 19 yards. But Aaron Jones had two catches for 86 yards and a touchdown. And a game where Christian Watson was not playing. The Bears gave up 86 yards receiving to Aaron Jones. Luke Musgrave, the rookie tight end, had 50 yards. Jaden Reed, rookie wide receiver, 48 yards. Romeo Dubs, who had a bad hamstring, scored two touchdowns. Samari Torre. Like, who? 18 yards. I mean, the Bears just didn't do the basics. And Matt Eberflus spoke with the media after the game, and he did also put up that caution flag, right? Like, yes, everybody is devastated by this loss. Everybody 
associated with the Bears, players, coaches, and fans are devastated by this loss. But he did give Bears fans and football media, for lack of a better uh, term, I mean, he knows what's coming, right? Matt Eberflus knows what's coming. He put everyone on notice of, I, I, I would assume, what the talking points are going to be coming out of Hallis Hall over the, over the next couple of days. I'm going to play a clip for you of what Matt Eberflus said after the game. Listen up. Just, play, just the basics of football, you know, we're, you know, with the eliminate the penalties, that's going to help us out a lot, you know, protect the football, that's going to help us out a lot, you know, take the football away, that's going to give us short fields and give us opportunities, and we've done that really well in practice, you know, both sides, you know, so, um, you know, I plan on seeing that in the future, you know, and, and going forward, like I said, this is the first game, this hurts, you know, this is a division opponent, um, all the guys in there are, are, you know, sick to their stomachs, and, you know, all the coaches, everybody, and it's not, not something that you like. Uh, but we also know it's the first game, and we got to get better. You know, we have to improve, and uh, it's this is a week to week, and we have to. Once this gets over, we got to get to tomorrow, and we got to start moving our eyes forward and uh, move to the ten. He's right. Look, it's a it's a what have you done for me lately sport. It's a what have you done for me lately league. The Bears could have beaten the Packers, thirty eight to twenty, and Justin Fields could have been the guy that threw for three touchdowns. And Jordan Love could be the quarterback that's got to answer to all the critics over the next week. And if the Bears come back in week two after having that kind of a successful outing against the Packers and lose to the Buccaneers, well, you know, it's what have you done for me lately? That's what's going to be the next focal point for people like Colin Coward and Mike Tannenbaum and and all the other meatheads who who said the Bears should have drafted Bryce Young, who, by the way, looked terrible in his NFL debut for the Carolina Panthers. Maybe Bryce Young's going to be a good quarterback, but I'm sorry, he, he was terrible. But the bottom line is a bad loss like this to the Packers is worse because it's the Packers, but it's not the first time, and it won't be the last time, that the Chicago Bears aren't at the top of their game. They don't play their A game. They don't pitch a perfect game, and they have to come back, and they might win. They might look fantastic against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week 2. They might be clicking on all cylinders. And will anybody really care that they lost like this in Week 1 to the Packers if they even up their record at 1-1 one one next week? Look, the Vikings lost. The Lions and Packers won. The Vikings and Bears lost. So you got two teams at the top at 1-0, two teams at the bottom at 0-1. I mean, we're talking about a, a nominal impact on the division right now. If the Bears and Packers in Week 18 are suddenly close to or have the same record, what happens in Week 1 is going to rear its ugly head and unfortunately bring back old wounds of what happened in this game for Bears fans. But as of right now, it's time to just focus on Tampa Bay. It's time to look at the Buccaneers as a get-right game, even though the Buccaneers beat the Vikings. And Baker Mayfield was, like, decent, believe it or not. I mean, we could be we could be entering a twilight zone year of of NFL play where some of these quarterbacks, like a Jordan Love, who, I, again, i still not impressed. I'm not impressed by Jordan Love. I'm not impressed by what he did against the Bears. I don't think Jordan Love is a quarterback that the Packers are going to be able to build around. I think Jordan Love made throws that were very Jared Goff-like. Jordan Love made throws that were very Kirk Cousins-like. Those are decent quarterbacks. They're not special. They're not great. Baker Mayfield is worse than that. So the Chicago Bears should find success against him. But I'll tell you right now, Bears fans, one of the things that I was the most concerned about coming out of this game and that I remain concerned about and that I think is going to be a problem that we're talking about for 17 games is the pass rush. 
I mean, it was, it was embarrassing how much time Jordan Love had to throw every single time he dropped back to pass. Only one sack was recorded by the Chicago Bears defense, and that was by Yannick Ngakwe. And if you watch the play, it wasn't like, wow, that was an impressive pass rush by Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, he did his job, but it was a slow developing play where the defensive backs, in my opinion, should get a lot of credit for that sack. Yannick Ngakwe had an extra beat or two to get to Jordan Love, and he did. Jordan Love kind of scrambled right into him as well, but Yannick Ngakwe did the job, and he got a sack. But if you eliminate that, again, it wasn't like a super impressive pass rush. If you eliminate that play, the Bears were blanked. Blanked on the stat sheet. No sacks at all. I mean, at what point do we have to start asking, is this a player problem? Or is it a scheme problem? Because the Chicago Bears finished dead last in sacks in 2022, and they underwent a facelift on defense this offseason. An absolute facelift. New starters, Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, Tyreek Stevenson, Yannick Ngakwe, Demarcus Walker, Andrew Billings. You're adding guys like Jervon Dexter and Zach Pickens from the draft. You have an almost, and Rasheem Green, got in the mix. He got some reps today. You have a an almost entirely new front seven on defense, which is really where your pass rush comes from. And it's the same results. These aren't terrible football players that the Bears added. Demarcus Walker is not a bad edge rusher. Yannick Ngakwe has 10 sacks, eight or more sacks almost every year. Tremaine Edmonds is an athletic freak. Dominique Robinson is supposed to be a developing edge rusher who can get home. Rasheem Green is has some sack production in his career. What's going on here? I mean, how can the Bears be this bad year over year? Now we are in year two, game one. That's 18 games of a sample size where the Chicago Bears have literally no pass rush. What's Allen Williams doing? Where's the scheme? Where's the creativity? Where's the blitz packages? How, how was Jordan Love essentially a rookie-type quarterback making your first start ever in the NFL, not absolutely harassed on every pass he attempted. That's inexcusable. That's why the Bears lost. The Chicago Bears lost this game because of the two most important aspects of football, the offensive line and the defensive line, the pass rush. And this is like a... This this problem has a very long tail potentially this will continue to whip around and knock Justin Fields upside his head week after week because if you're playing from behind because your defense can't stop the opposing quarterback because you're getting absolutely no pass rush and while playing from behind you have no time to throw the ball big problem a big problem that's not going away anytime soon the Bears are not going to be making a trade for a Khalil Mack in his prime they're not going to be you know adding a, a 10-year all-pro left tackle anytime soon. These are issues that now require good coaching to fix. The pass rush requires good coaching to fix. I don't know if Alan Williams is directly to blame for this, if this is more a Matt Eberflus defensive system-related issue or problem, but at this point, I'm starting to say to myself, you know what, last year... The excuse essentially was there just isn't the talent on the roster. But they've changed that this year. They got the Jimmies and the Joes. Now we got to start blaming the X's and the O's. 
this is where the coaches have to stand up and take accountability. They have to address why they're not making in-game adjustments to attack the quarterback. How is Tremaine Edmonds? Move him up. on. Let him blitz off the edge at some point. Who's going to block him? TJ Edwards. Jaquan Brisker had four sacks last season because he was using a variety of ways to get after the quarterback. Where was he? I know he got banged up early in the game. Maybe that's why he wasn't as effective. You know, like I said, Yannick Ngakwe did have a sack, but again, relatively ineffective throughout the rest of the game. I have to start wondering. You have to start wondering. Is this a coaching problem? The Bears have... The Bears are running out of excuses. They're running out of time to explain to the fans what the source of the issue, what the source of the problem is. Matt Eberflus can talk about coaching up the fundamentals. He could talk about how they're doing a better job in practice. He could talk about the hustle and the intensity has to be there. He could talk about everything that is correctable and fixable, as he did in his post-game press conference on Sunday. But he also has to start fixing and correcting and getting the right players on the field who are showing that level of hustle and intensity. At some point, you can't just identify the problem. You have to also bring the solution to the table. I believe in Matt Eberflus. Let me get that. Let me just put that right out there for all of you Bears fans. I believe in Matt Eberflus. I think he's an old school football guy with a very high football IQ, and he's a good teacher. I think he's a good coach and a good teacher. I think he will get this figured out. But I don't know if he has the right defensive coordinator in place. I'm not 100% sold that Allen Williams will be able to get this fixed, that he will be able to make a pass rush effective with the system that he deploys. We'll see. We're going to dive deeper into the analytics over the next couple of days. We will dive deeper into the tape over the next couple of days. So make sure you have liked and subscribed to this show, this podcast. You could find us on all of your favorite podcast providers. Obviously, this is a somber Monday. It's not a victory Monday. It's an embarrassing Monday. It's not a, celebra- a Monday that we celebrate. It's a Monday that we mourn. It's another loss to the Packers, Bears fans. It doesn't feel good, and it won't feel good. It's going to take several days. It's going to take a win against the Buccaneers on Sunday to get over this. And I don't even know if that will do it. I, I feel like we're entering that territory now with Justin Fields and this Bears team that we're still going to feel anxious, like the other shoe is, is going to drop, even after a good drive or a good half or a good game or a good stretch of games. When is the luck going to run out? Because the Bears continue to disappoint us. They continue to not allow us to watch a game with confidence and faith that when we see something good, it will be sustained and consistently good. That's got to change soon. It's got to change with this coaching regime. It's got to change with Justin Fields. Justin Fields has to be the player who creates that confidence in the fan base, creates that confidence in his teammates. Justin Fields actually apologized to his teammates and Bears fans after the game today. You know he cares. Justin Fields cares. Justin Fields wants this to work. Justin Fields is going to work his ass off to make sure it works. I believe in Justin Fields. I just need to see him take the next step now. He did not he did not do that against the Packers. 
in fact, he put himself behind the eight ball. He put himself in that position now where he better have thick skin over the next couple of days because Colin Coward's coming for him. Okay. Mike Tannenbaum's coming for him. I think he can handle it. He's built different. He'll be able to handle it. But I also think you're going to start seeing the uh, doomsday Bears media personalities come for him as well. You guys know who I'm talking about. Do a quick uh, search on X and you'll see the Bears beat writers who are going to tell you all the reasons why Justin Fields is terrible and all the reasons why the Bears should tank for Caleb Williams. You're going to see it. And those guys you know, should be ashamed of themselves. It's embarrassing to follow a team that has a, has a cluster of beat writers who get joy out of the Bears losing. And they'll tell you, oh, we don't like the Bears losing. You know, when the Bears lose, it's, it's much better to cover a winner. That's what clicks better. Give me a break. You know, we see behind the veil that you wear on social media and whatnot. You know, they're, they're, it's it's almost like a bitter group of people who maybe don't like the industry they chose for a profession. And then they start going after people like Justin Fields after a bad game because, I don't know, maybe maybe it makes them feel better. I don't know. We don't do that here on Bears Talk. I know you don't want to hear that. We're in this ride together. Bears fans, content creators, we bleed the blue and orange. And on a day like Sunday when the Bears went down in horrendous fashion to the Green Bay Packers, we spilt a lot of blood, and we're doing it together. So make sure you subscribe, you rate, and review the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to Bears Talk, rate the podcast, review the podcast, and make sure you come back to our next episode and bear down.